please stand if you're able for the call to worship. Grace and peace to you from the one who is, who always was, and who is still to come. This is our God, the one who loves us and the one who gave himself for us. Let us worship God together. Good morning and welcome to worship today. This is a second Sunday, second Sunday in Easter. It's a um, actually uh, we are in the first week of Easter tide that will carry us all the way through to Pentecost, a time we celebrate um, maybe more so than others the risen Lord and the uh, resurrection of Christ as we celebrated in grand fashion last week. Um, all of you were here then, I think, last week, 
and so we're glad that you were able to participate in that. And uh, some of those that were here with us last week aren't here this week, as you probably noticed. But nonetheless, we're, we're grateful to be able to worship together and to uh, gather and lift our voices in uh, prayer and praise and songs of thanksgiving to the one true and living God. Southside Baptist Church is in the heart of Five Point South Bilgen, an inclusive community of grace. And we invite people in to this building to worship with us, to share in our ministry efforts. We do that in a variety of ways. Uh, to those who may be worshiping with us via the live stream, that we welcome people into, this, into our facility here to also join with us in trying to be the presence of Christ in this community through various different um, ministry efforts. We would like to take a moment today and, and uh, let you fill in the registration tablet you'll find at the end of each pew. If you'll take that and fill that in, then we'll have a record of your attendance. And um, just to greet you and let you know that we're delighted that you've chosen to be here today. A part of our time of, of welcome is also to pass the peace of Christ. So we'd like to give you the opportunity to do that now, if you would, to speak to those that are here that you see and have already maybe nodded to, but would like to pass the peace of Christ to them. And may I add my word of welcome, if I may. Uh, don't, don't stop welcoming one another. I'm just uh, moving us forward in the worship uh, time. Um, Dr. Kelly has actually already alluded to this, but uh, I've, I've, I've been involved in worship uh, leadership in, for so many, many years, and I, I kept thinking last Sunday that this, that was the Sunday when I, I'm always tempted to um, try to be the first to wish y'all a Merry Christmas. Uh, if, <laughs> if that turns out to be the, uh, uh, the, the way their attendance goes. Uh, and in some cases that is, but not yours. So we are, are happy to be there. And also, we're, again, we welcome our, our YouTube viewers. We do have those members who have been with us uh, uh, in the past physically, who have moved away or had other uh, commitments or something of that type who either view us live or uh, on the rebroadcast. And it's a, a, a good ministry that we do now glad for that. Our, our, our hymn in just a moment after the prayer, uh, you're going to know it as morning is broken. So you can get right into the tune uh, with the words uh, when you turn there to 203 in just a moment. Uh, all of our pieces today, of course, are uh, involved in the risen Christ and uh, Easter tide, as it were. Maybe, maybe pray. Our
Alpha and Omega, beginning and end, the epitome of our faith. We pray a prayer of thanksgiving for a beautiful day, for a new life, for this day as we worship together. Help us to join in our minds and our hearts as we celebrate the risen Savior, but also the risen nature of our faith with one another. In the name of that one, we say it. Amen. Let's stand and sing 203. first scripture lesson today is found in the Psalter, the actu actually the very last psalm. We'll be reading Psalm 150. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness.
Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and lyre. Praise him with tambourine and dancing. Praise him with the strings and flute. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Here ends our first reading. final psalm, we go to the final book of the Bible, the book of Revelation, chapter 1, and reading from verse 4 through to the end of verse 8. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. To him who loves us and freed us from our sins by his blood and made us to be a kingdom, priests serving his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Look, he is coming with the clouds. Every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And on his account, all the tribes of the earth will wail. So it is to be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. This is the word of the Lord. be seated. How are you all today? You are? Very well. Had a good week. Good week at school. Good week at school. Yes. Yes. Okay. Well, today we, you know, last Sunday was Easter and we had um, all the excitement of Easter as far as the resurrected Christ, we remembered that. We had, I feel a little bit like there's something missing up here without, we didn't have the lilies and the cross is not up here now. And so it feels as though there's, it's pretty bare, barren up here, except for the, the flowers, the beautiful flowers we have here on the altar, on the communion table and, and the ferns, but uh, seems like there's something missing. But that was a part of the Easter celebration. 
time to rejoice in that and, and to remember what Christ has done. You know, not long after Jesus had been resurrected, he also appeared to his disciples and he said something to them about who he was and what he was about. And he said, you know, do you remember the story where he showed him his hands? You remember the story where Jesus showed his disciples his hands and they had, had nail prints in his hands where he, after resurrection? And he said, you know, you believe because of what you've seen. The disciples believed because they had seen that, or so at least one did. And so the, the question Jesus posed to them or the statement he made was, you know, it, it's you believe because you've seen, but blessed are those who have believed and who have not seen. Sometimes do you think that people tell you something and you just say, that cannot happen, that can't be happening, it won't work, that doesn't happen, it defies laws of nature or whatever. So we want to, I'm going to show you something today and, and maybe it'll work. I believe it's going to. I believe it will. But it does seem to be a little bit out of the ordinary as far as what we typically would think of. What I want to do, I'm going to tear a little square of this. Uh, Martine, come around to the front row here so you can see. And Jack, come around over here too so you'll be able to see. Now, I've got that. Do you think if I put this gem clip in this water, it will float? Why not? It, it just doesn't, it's not supposed to float, is it? Do you believe it will? Do you believe it? How is it going to float? It's really light? Okay. Well, let's see if it will. Can you see it? Now, what's happening? It's floating, isn't it? You're going to try to sink it. And you did. And you did. Why do you do that? Because you put your finger on it. So, do you, what do you think about that? About the fact that something that's not supposed to float does. pointed at it and that was all it took <laughs> sometimes things happen or things can work that we don't understand and sometimes when we mess with it we can really foul things up <laughs> but in this case it was you saw that you, did you see it float Millicent so I wasn't just trying to pull one over on you did see it float didn't you okay it floated until you put your finger on it, right? It will rust, yeah, it will. The point is that sometimes there can be things that, that actually will happen that we don't, we don't understand it. It just doesn't seem like it could be possible. In this case, we wouldn't think that could float, but it did. And the, How did it go that fast? It just does. Gravity. 
when Jesus said that to his disciples, he said, you believe because what you've seen, but others have believed and they haven't seen. Now, from now on, you'll believe that there was a gym clip and it can float, right? All right. But for the disciples, they were, they were struggling to know. And so the, the point is that Jesus tells us that he was resurrected, he is with us always, and even though we don't understand how it works, it does. He is there because he's all-powerful and he is with us and he loves us and his grace and mercy are overwhelming more than anything we can imagine. So let's offer a prayer of giving thanks to God for his presence, but also the power to overcome those things we don't understand. Lord, we ask that you would be with us, continue to help us believe even when we struggle with our unbelief. For we know that you are all-powerful and you bring about events in this world that we do not understand, but we trust. It's in your name I pray. Join me as we bring our intercessory prayers before the Lord this morning. Shall we pray? God of Easter hope, during this Easter tide, we open our eyes to realize that you're the God who is with us, the God who is for us, the God who goes ahead of us, the one who is and was and is to come. Lord Jesus, we praise you that you are alive that death could not hold you. We say it aloud, alive in the quiet moments of our prayers, in the meeting of our need, alive for now and in eternity to reshape all things in heaven and on earth. We thank you that you breathe hope into the darkest hour of our lives. Forgive us if we hug the news to ourselves or hide the light of your presence from our neighbor making of faith a private thing that warms our hearts but fails to reach the other people around us. Lord, grant to your church a spirit of unity that we may dwell together in your love and so bear to the world the peace of your healing and the encouragement of your presence. Help us to remember that your word could not be contained and it bursts forth in splendor. Help us to echo and to re-echo the good news of your love down through the ages. Bring to our communities a desire for harmony, reconciliation in the midst of conflict. Strengthen the fearful and the lonely and open our hearts to share with others all that we have of our riches, our time and our talents. Lord, your absence leaves us paralyzed, but your presence is overwhelming. Breathe on us with your abundant life, that where we cannot see, we may have courage to believe, that during those times when we are in distress, that your presence may alleviate our pain and give us hope for tomorrow, that when we are in physical pain, your presence may distance ourselves from our anguish, and that we may live in the hope of your eternal kingdom. Merciful Father, 
accept all our prayers this morning, those that we have uttered and those that are upon our minds and our hearts for those who are dear to us. We offer all our prayers through Jesus Christ, our risen Savior and Lord, who taught us to pray with confidence and to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. If you look carefully at our church notices, you will see that on a Wednesday afternoon at 4.30, one of our church members and deacons is giving a beekeeping class. The pastors are looking forward to receiving the first of the honey. 
Years ago in my first church, way back in 1978 in the borders of Scotland, I had a friend, a church deacon, who was a beekeeper. He invited me on one occasion to visit his hives. I was a little bit skeptical and a little bit concerned that I was going to get stung by these bees, but he assured me that this would not happen. He would dress me up in the beekeeping equipment, uh, their, their dressing, and uh, he would have the, uh, the smoke so that that would calm them down. I discovered that day that church Baptist deacons can sometimes tell lies. And so on that day, that summer, I was stung on two occasions in the ankle area, which was very painful indeed. I think he knew that this possibly could happen because he had a steel implement to scrape the bee off me to stop the, 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 the sting continuing to aggravate me. I learned a lesson that day. He told me, don't worry, Ken. The, the pain may be with you for a little while, but the bee is on its way out. As soon as it stung you, it was going to die. The message of the resurrection is a message that in the death of Jesus, Jesus took death, the sting of death, into his experience. And in resurrection, he conquered the power of death and frees all those who are held by a fear of death and gives us the joyful liberty that Jesus says, fear not, I am the resurrection and the life. Way back in the 17th century, the chaplain of Oliver Cromwell in the Houses of Parliament was a man by the name of John Owen. He was a theologian who taught at Cambridge University. And he wrote a book um, that I couldn't really commend to you apart from its title. It was entitled, The Death of Death in the Death of Christ. It's a remarkable title. Death died when Jesus died. And the resurrection of Jesus is the assurance that that happened that we need not fear death because Christ is risen. I love the period of time we call Easter, not just for Easter Sunday, because Eastertide, the Sundays following Easter, give us the opportunity to reflect in many different ways on what it means to have faith in the risen Lord. And here in the book of Revelation, which will occupy our homilies over the next few weeks, we have several messages about the risen Lord. The Lord is risen, he is risen indeed. The message of the book of Revelation is a message of comfort and hope in the midst of fear and doubt and uncertainty. The circumstances of this last book in the Bible, in the New Testament, is that John, the apostle, we think, is in prison on the Isle of Patmos. He can probably just see as he's looking from this tiny island over to Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey. He can see the outline of the coast where he has been serving as a pastor in the city of Ephesus. And he's in prison because of his testimony to Jesus. He's suffering persecution. And undoubtedly, there were many occasions when he wondered, has it been worth it? What's going to happen? I'm near the end of my life. What is my faith and my hope in the midst of all that I'm passing through? And John tells us that he had a vision, a vision of the risen Jesus who comes to him and says, don't be afraid. 
I'm the first and the last, the Alpha and the Omega. I'm the living one. I was dead, but see, I am alive forever and forever. The book of Revelation is not the easiest of books to understand. So happens that my final Bible um, course tomorrow, we're going to be looking uh, as a summary of the whole of the book of Revelation. And one of the things I always say when I teach a course at Sanford on the book of Revelation is that the title gives us the kernel of what it's all about. It's a revelation of Jesus Christ. It's not a revelation of what's going to happen in the future so much as a reminder, an assurance that the one who is at the center of our lives is also at the center of human history. And we have a revelation of Jesus Christ who died but who rose again and declares at the end of the book, I am coming soon. John gives us many visions of this risen Lord. Chapter one is, is full of it. A strange, a kind of frightening vision. The one with snow white hair, eyes of fire, feet of burnished bronze, and a voice like a waterfall. G.B. cared in his commentary in Revelation chapter 1 says, don't try to overinterpret what John is saying. It would be a bit like unweaving a rainbow. Just capture the vision in all its wonder and splendor. Jesus Christ, exalted, no longer hanging on a cross, but risen in power and in majesty. And don't be afraid, because he says, I am the first and the last, I died but I'm alive forevermore and I have the keys of death and of Hades. This vision of the risen Lord reminds us that the one in whom we put our confidence and our faith is one who is sovereign over all that happens in his world. We sometimes use, although it seems a kind of old-fashioned word nowadays, we sometimes talk about providence which literally comes from two words, pro, before, and video, to see. Providence means to, to see ahead. Providence gives us an idea that God is the God who is looking ahead and seeing all things that will happen, and he's, in the, he's the one who is in control of everything that's happening. That, that kind of confidence gives us assurance in the midst of our, our own daily lives, that whatever happens, it hasn't happened just because of fate or circumstances have gone out of control. But it's also true about a kind of bigger picture of life in the world. When we look around us, when we turn on our, our news, when we hear of yet another shooting in another synagogue, this time in California yesterday, when we hear about all that's happening even in our own local community, we can recognize that one whom we have placed our faith and our confidence in is not worried about what's happening in one sense because he's the God who is in control and working out his loving purposes. I am the Alpha and the Omega, he says, the first and the last. Alpha and Omega, the first and the last uh, letters of the Greek alphabet. And it's almost as if John's saying, not only from the A to the Z, but Jesus Christ is the one who's in control. He's the one who is and who was and who is to come. God is active. John gives us three phrases to describe this one in verse 5. He's a faithful witness. He's the firstborn from the dead. 
and he's the ruler of the kings of the earth. Throughout the book, this book, the term witness speaks about the person who is faithful to following Jesus Christ as Christ was faithful in following the will of his father. Jesus is the model of faithfulness. He, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. And so he is our example to try and walk in his footsteps. He's the faithful witness. He paid the ultimate cost, but John says he's the firstborn from the dead. The father raised him. And he is the one who assures us that in the midst of our fear of death sometimes, we can trust in him as the one who gives us confidence and gives us hope for the future. And he's also the ruler of the kings of the earth. John is writing this in a period of time when the church is under pressure from the emperor Domitian, who wants to call himself God and Lord and, and demands the worship of the Roman Empire. And John wants to throw that back in his face and say, no, the one whom we worship is the one who is the ruler of the kings of the earth. He's the God who is sovereign over the affairs of history. He's a God also who is saving towards us in his love and his mercy. John says that Jesus says he is the one who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. He loves us and has freed us. He uses a, a past tense and a present tense to encapsulate all that Jesus Christ has done when he went to the cross for us, when he died and rose again. He loves us and has freed us from our sins. It's often our frailty and our faithlessness that makes us aware of the fact that we are not the people we want to be, that we are called to be. But at the very center of our faith is one who doesn't give up on us, who doesn't suddenly say, oh, you've done too many bad things. I'm not going to bother with you anymore. He loves us and has freed us from our sins. His love continually accepts us, even though we feel that we've done so much to make us unworthy of his love. At the heart of all God's dealings with us in Jesus Christ is an eternal love and an infinite patience. Julian of Norwich, way back in the medieval period, used to call Christ our courteous Lord, the one who's Lord, but he loves us, he cares for us, and will never let us go. That mercy doesn't nullify the call to discipleship because our pilgrimage is one of moral and spiritual growth, but it's a growth in grace. It's a growth on the basis of grace and by the resources of grace. I have a a theologian friend who taught for many years at Pittsburgh Theological Seminary. I used his book on pastoral theology, and I've done so on numerous occasions. Comes originally from Scotland, did his PhD at the University of Edinburgh, a really good place to get a PhD, if I may say so personally. He says the first word of the gospel is, you are forgiven. Because so often we doubt it. So often we wonder, we worry. He says the first message of the gospel is, you are forgiven. The grace and the mercy of God 
who has loved us and loosed us from our sins by his blood. In the later part of the 15th century, the Florentine sculptor Agostino D'Antonio began work on a huge block of marble with a view to producing a spectacular sculpture. After a few attempts, he gave it up as hopeless. The block of marble just lay disused for about 40 years. Then Michelangelo took an interest in it. He saw beyond the ugly block of marble to the magnificent sculpture he knew he could create. And as a result, we have the celebrated David. It's a picture in my own mind of the work of God and his grace within our lives. So much that we feel that we've failed in. But God doesn't give up on us. He works in us slowly, refining us, restoring us more and more to his image and to his likeness. God who is sovereign, the God who is saving, the God who speaks. In the midst of all that's happening to him, this book brings one promise after another to the Apostle John. I am the living one, fear not, fear not. Christ speaks to us. You know the experience of somebody phoning you, perhaps unexpectedly, and they phone you to bring a message of encouragement to you. People speak to us, people communicate. That's what God does through scripture, through his word, through promise after promise after promise to enable us to be strengthened in our minds and in our hearts. One of the pictures that you have in this first chapter is of the risen Lord who holds the seven stars in his right hand. And that's, a, that's an image that's used of the church. The church that in the first century is under persecution. What's going to happen? Uh, is the church's witness going to be extinguished? No, says the risen Lord. I hold the seven stars in my right hand. I give unto my sheep eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one shall snatch them out of my hand, says Jesus in John's gospel. He's the ruler of the kings of the earth. Asia Minor at this period of time was a quagmire of strange beliefs and idolatries. There were barbaric hordes waiting on the edges of the empire to enter the stage of history. Everywhere, uncertainty, the fear of death prevailed. And then the church, how could the church survive? How could the church continue to be faithful in the midst of all that was happening through the emperor Domitian? How can the church today in 2019 face the future with confidence? How do we know that we have a future, that God is a God who is going to do something through us in our personal and corporate lives? Because Christ says, fear not. I'm the one who has loved you and loosed you from your sins. I'm the one who is alive forever and forever. Later on in the history of the church in Asia, there was a bishop by the name of Polycarp. He was tried, he was convicted, he was sentenced to death, but he was given one last chance of being set free. If he abandoned the faith that he had, he would live. 
He responded by saying, three score years and ten have I served him. He has done me no wrong. How can I deny my Lord and my Savior? And so they took him and he died as a martyr. When the church was recording what happened to Polycarp, it was very deliberate in what it said. It said, Polycarp was martyred. Statius Quadratus being proconsul, but Jesus Christ being king forever and forever. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Will you pray with me? Risen Lord, we thank you for your promises. Promises that sustain us in dark times when doubts often arise. The promise of your presence to be with us now, tomorrow, and this coming week. When we feel that we don't have the strength to keep going, help us to put our hope and our trust in you. We ask this for your dear name's sake. Our hymn of conclusion is number 218, Come Ye Faithful, Raise the Strain. I invite you to stand and sing praise. Please pray with me. 
Father, we thank you for the opportunity to worship you and to serve you. Open our ears to the cries of your people. Open our eyes to the suffering around us. Open our hearts to care. Help us to give freely and generously to further your work here. In Christ's name, amen.
loving and gracious God, we bring these tithes and offerings to you. We ask, O oh Lord, that you would bless them, multiply them, and may they be used as we live in our faith here by bringing hope and encouragement by sharing your grace and your love to those in this community and beyond. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Be seated for just a moment, please. A couple of things today. First, welcome uh, to those who may be guests today. We're glad that you're here, and we hope that all those who are with us will linger long enough to at least uh, let us catch up on this first week in Easter tide. We'll be able to see one another and share together. And then, of course, we have our uh, week's activities this week as we continue to live in our faith daily in the ways that we interact here among ourselves and our community of faith, but then also in the greater community as well. Before Dr. Roxborough comes and has our benediction, uh, Dr. Banks had a word to say regarding one of our uh, Martinson scholars. So, Dr. Banks? I'd like to ask Pat and Leonard if you wouldn't mind standing. Um, this young man um, has been with us for almost as long as I have been here this time in my tenure here. I came in August of 2014 for this second uh, go for me. Patton came in September of that year. He's been with us not only through all of those things, but has, I feel, has been a mainstay for us uh, in the uh, vocal uh, area here. Um, I'm remembering in my heart, right now it's singing in my mind, he and his sister, who's not able to be with us today, Faith, uh, doing a beautiful duet in the uh, uh, Saint-Saëns Christmas Oratorio two, two Christmases ago. Uh, I've got that on tape, by the way. You can't get away from it. Uh, it's a marvelous thing. Uh, he has written a, a little paragraph um, about his feelings about things. He preferred to offer it during the columns. So if you look for that in the columns this month, in this uh, coming columns, uh, that's a good thing. But I just wanted to say my special word of thanks to Pat and Leonard uh, and would ask that you give him uh, a show of gratitude as well, if you would. The guy's, the guy's going to be a forester now, so uh, I don't know what that means uh, in, in ways of he's going to be out in Idaho uh, helping to save, save our beautiful uh, nature uh, out there. So, uh, so grateful for, for, uh, for uh, uh, Pat and Leonard for these, these years that he's been with us. Thank you. And so as we go, receive the blessing of God. May grace, mercy, and peace from he who is and was and is to come be with you now and forevermore.